Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Coinbase got a Wells notice, which is not good. Hindenburg Research has a new note out and is making a short run on Block, which is also not good. Apple might expand its sports streaming and release more things in actual theaters. And the space startup that 3D prints its own rockets. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Huge news in crypto land. Coinbase says it received an SEC notice warning the exchange of potential U.S. securities law violations that could lead to enforcement actions. The stock, of course, has plunged on this news, quoting CNBC. The Securities and Exchange Commission issued crypto exchange Coinbase a Wells notice, warning the company that it identified potential violations of U.S. securities law. Coinbase shares fell nearly 12% in extended trading after the news broke on Wednesday, adding to an 8.16% drop during regular trading hours. Based on discussions with the staff, the company believes these potential enforcement actions would relate to aspects of the company's spot market, staking service, Coinbase Earn, Coinbase Prime, and Coinbase Wallet. Coinbase said in a regulatory filing, the potential civil action may seek injunctive relief, disgorgement, and civil penalties, end quote. A Wells notice is typically one of the final steps before the SEC formally issues charges. It generally lays out the framework of the regulatory argument and offers the potentially accused an opportunity to rebut the SEC's claims. Coinbase described the investigation as cursory and said the Wells notice provided relatively little information about potential violations. Although we don't take this development lightly, we are very confident in the way we run our business. The same business we presented to the SEC in order for us to become a public company in 2021. Coinbase Chief Legal Officer Paul Grewal said in a blog post, the company said that until the resolution of any legal processes, the exchange's offerings would continue to operate as usual. Grewal said Coinbase is looking for more regulatory clarity. Tell us the rules and we will follow them, he said. Give us an actual path to register and we will register the parts of our business that need registering. End quote. This seems to be the regulator ramp-up that folks have been talking about in the crypto space actually hitting the ground running, because also yesterday, it was announced that Lindsay Lohan, Jake Paul, among other celebrities, agreed to pay a combined $400,000 to settle SEC charges over promoting two different crypto projects without disclosing compensation, quoting CNBC. The Securities and Exchange Commission has unveiled fraud and unregistered securities charges against crypto founder and Grenadian diplomat Justin Sun, alongside separate violations against the celebrity backers of his Tronix and BitTorrent crypto assets, which included Jake Paul, Lindsay Lohan, and Soulja Boy. The SEC alleged that Sun engaged in fraud by manipulating the trading activity of the two tokens, creating the appearance of active trading when it did not exist. The unregistered offer and sale charges, on the other hand, are similar to charges the SEC has unveiled against other crypto offerings and exchanges, including Genesis, Gemini, and Duquan's Terraform Labs. Sun allegedly induced investors to purchase TRX and BTT tokens by, quote, orchestrating a promotional campaign in which he and his celebrity promoters hid the fact that the celebrities were paid for their tweet, Gensler said in a statement. Those celebrity backers would promote the TRX and BTT tokens on social media and recruited others to Tron-affiliated Telegram and Discord channels. Tron and his backers' alleged behavior was part of a, quote, age-old playbook to mislead and harm investors, SEC Enforcement Chief Gerbeer Grewal said in a statement, end quote. 
by the way, it's just coming across the transom right now, that Du Quan might actually have been arrested this morning in, I believe, Montenegro, but I don't have confirmation of that yet. So just noting in case that pans out. Entirely unrelated to that, this morning in pre-market trading, shares of Block, which you probably better know as Square, dropped more than 20% after Hindenburg Research disclosed a short position in the stock and released a paper and memo alleging the company overstated user counts and understated customer acquisition costs. You might recall Hindenburg as the firm that recently alleged fraud at the Adani Group, that huge Indian conglomerate. I think we talked about that. I'm not sure, though. Quoting Bloomberg, Hindenburg published its report after a two-year investigation. The firm, run by Nathan Anderson, said in a report published on its website and distributed via Twitter. The firm in January triggered a sell-off in shares of billionaire Gautam Adani's companies with allegations of accounting fraud and stock manipulation. Hindenburg's report on electric vehicle maker Nikola in September 2020 sent that stock plunging and led to criminal charges against the company's founder, Trevor Milton. He was convicted in October of defrauding investors, end quote. And quoting Reuters, Our two-year investigation has concluded that Block has systematically taken advantage of the demographics it claims to be helping, the short seller said in a note published on its website. The U.S. short seller behind a market route of over $100 billion in India's Adani Group said in its report that former Block employees estimated that 40 to 75% of accounts they reviewed were fake, involved fraud, or were additional accounts tied to a single individual. Hindenburg added that Block, quote, obfuscates how many individuals are on the Cash App platform by reporting misleading, transacting active metrics filled with fake and duplicate accounts, end quote. Sources are telling Bloomberg that Apple is considering bidding for the streaming rights to a range of English soccer games, including showing Premier League games in the UK. That year of sports for the streaming wars really has been panning out. Quoting Bloomberg, The rights under consideration would allow Apple to show Premier League games in the UK as well as lower league matches run by the English Football League, said two of the people who asked not to be identified because the deliberations are private. Such a move would build on Apple's recent expansion into live sports in the US, where it forged a $2.5 billion 10-year deal with Major League Soccer to show games on its TV Plus platform. The company also streams Major League Baseball on Friday nights, and one of the streaming service's most popular TV series, Ted Lasso, follows a fictional Premier League team coached by an American. Pushing into English football would pit Apple against entrenched media companies such as Comcast's Sky and Warner Brothers' Discovery, which last year agreed to a joint venture with BT Sport. It could also throw down the gauntlet with Amazon, which has become a force in streaming European football. Apple has enlisted sports media veterans Jim DiLorenzo and Frank Udo in building its streaming platform, and they will, quote, know the value that international football can bring to the system, said Peter Hutton, who previously served as a media partnerships executive at Meta. Offering the games may be a more effective way to attract viewers overseas than other fare, he said. Apple will be looking closely at their early data on MLS and MLB experiments, but the unique ability of sport to change a predefined audience's behavior means it's a safer bet than entertainment content to grow the Apple TV international market, said Hutton, who's also the former head of the Eurosport network. The EFL is offering the rights to seasons starting in 2024. The Premier League has a deal with Sky, BT Sport, and Amazon for live games that runs through the 2024-2025 season. The Premier League sold domestic rights for 2022 to 2025 for $6.3 billion, end quote. 
And in a separate piece, Bloomberg is also reporting that Apple plans to spend $1 billion a year to produce movies for large-scale theatrical release, not streaming, well, eventually streaming, but first, theatrical release, a big increase in spending in this area from years past. And this is all, again, to seek to grow awareness of TV+. Quote, Apple has approached movie studios about partnering to release a few titles in theaters this year and a slate of more films in the future, said the people who asked not to be identified because the plans are private. The list of potential releases includes Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, which stars Leonardo DiCaprio, the spy thriller Argyle from director Matthew Vaughn, and Napoleon, Ridley Scott's drama about the French conqueror. A spokesperson for Apple declined to comment. Most of Apple's previous original movies have either been exclusive to the streaming service or released in a limited number of theaters. The company has pledged to put movies in thousands of theaters for at least a month, said the people, though it hasn't finalized any plans. While Apple has agreed to theatrical releases in order to please talent and outmaneuver competitors for projects, the company also views theaters as a way to build awareness for its TV Plus streaming service. If the company is going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on a Scorsese movie, it wants to turn that into a cultural event. Apple TV Plus is estimated to have between 20 million and 40 million subscribers, fewer than rivals such as Netflix and Disney Plus. Apple still hasn't figured out how it will distribute these movies in theaters. The company doesn't have the expertise internationally to release movies in thousands of cinemas worldwide at once, which is why it has approached third-party distributors. But first, Apple needs to come to terms on distribution fees and marketing budgets with potential partners. Movie studios can spend $100 million or more to market their biggest titles, far more than streaming services spend on promoting new shows or movies, end quote. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. In 2023, just 10 vulnerabilities accounted for over half of the incidents responded to by our sponsors today, Arctic Wolf Incident Response. Wouldn't you love to know how to take these vulnerabilities off the table and make life more difficult for cybercriminals? 
That's just one of the essential insights you'll find inside the Arctic Wolf Labs 2024 Threats Report. Authored by their elite team of security researchers, data scientists, and security development engineers, and backed by the data gained from trillions of weekly observations within thousands of unique environments, this report offers expert analysis into attack types, root causes, top vulnerabilities, TTPs, and more. Discover the attack vectors behind nearly half of all successful cybercrimes, why ransom demands climbed 20% from 2023, and find out why 2024 will be an especially volatile year for cybersecurity. Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com forward slash tech meme. That's arcticwolf.com forward slash tech meme. Among the folks who should be nervous about the rise of generative AI, Canva. They've built an empire out of making it easy for folks to create visual documents, largely through making templates easy to edit and manipulate, right? Well, All this generative stuff pretty much obviates the need for templates. It's a completely new computing paradigm where you can just say things and they get created. So, no surprise that Canva has debuted AI-based tools, including Magic Design that makes personalized templates from images, and Magic Presentation that creates slideshows from prompts. Quoting Forbes, More than 125 million people now use Canva's design software tools each month, up 35 million in the past six months. Back then, Canva launched a product overhaul to help evolve it from a software tool for graphic designers to a more wide-ranging, work-team-friendly suite of tools, including collaborative documents, virtual whiteboards, and website creation. Now the company is announcing a range of additional products for business brands and the topic of the day, artificial intelligence. At a Thursday event in Sydney that Canva expected to livestream to a million remote viewers, the company announced a range of AI features under the Magic name, including Magic Design, which allows people to create personalized design templates from an image or style, Magic Presentation, which can create a slideshow-style presentation from a prompt, and Magic Write, a copywriting tool. Canva users can also use its AI software to identify places in images or add or remove elements with a couple of clicks, as well as for translation into additional languages. Founded by Australians Melanie Perkins, her husband Cliff Obrecht, and Cameron Adams in 2012, Canva gradually grew from overlooked Australian upstarts to a global phenomenon, with Perkins appearing on the cover of Forbes in December 2019. After raising funding at a lofty $40 billion valuation in September 2021, Perkins and Obrecht pledged to give the vast majority of their personal wealth to Canva's foundation. The company's valuation was later cut to about $25 billion by some investors in the tech market's pullback. Since its peak valuation was announced, the company has more than doubled monthly users, it said. After taking five years to reach 10 million users, it added the same total in the past 30 days. Annualized revenue now stands at $1.6 billion, up from $1 billion to close 2021. Canva has been working broadly on AI tools since 2019, Perkins said, when it started working with Austrian startup Kaleido AI on drag-and-drop background removal from videos and images. It acquired Kaleido the following year and announced the move in early 2021. To build its magic tools, Canva's own in-house AI team worked with foundational models from OpenAI and Stable Diffusion and also trained its own, Perkins said. Asked what Canva's increasing automation and AI tools will mean for the graphic designers and other creative professionals who use its software, Perkins was optimistic that such tools will allow them to spend less time on mundane, repetitive tasks, such as swapping out logos. I think brands are going to start asking for different things from agencies and different things from a graphic designer, she said, end quote. (laughs) 
Quick note that chatbot startup Character AI raised $150 million led by A16Z at a $1 billion valuation after a $43 million seed round just this past December. And Character AI plans to raise more from what they're calling strategic partners, quoting the New York Times. The new funding round in Character AI, which is based in Palo Alto, California, was led by Andreessen Horowitz, one of Silicon Valley's best-known venture capital firms. In December 2021, the company raised $43 million in seed funding, while at Google, Character AI's founders Noam Shazir and Daniel DeFritas led a team that built a technology called Lambda, short for Language Model for Dialogue Applications. The chatbot project gained attention last summer when a Google engineer, Blake Lemoyne, told the Washington Post that he believed Lambda was sentient. Mr. Shazir said in an interview that Character AI would soon raise additional funds from one or more strategic partners. That could mean taking investments from cloud computing companies and using the money to buy computing power from those companies, end quote. Again, I think I've said this before, but remember two or three years ago when we'd report news on a company raising a huge round and then turn around and report on another huge round less than one year later? Yeah, well, the dream of 2021 is alive in the AI space. And pretty much only in the AI space at the moment. Finally today, I wanted to clue you into a player in the space tech space that you might not be aware of, Relativity Space. Quoting from TechCrunch, Relativity Space achieved a massively important milestone at just before 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday with the first ever flight of its 3D-printed rocket technology. It's Terran-1 rocket, took off from Cape Canaveral in Florida, successfully clearing the pad and launch structure and achieving max Q, or the point during the launch sequence at which the vehicle is under the most pressure in terms of atmospheric resistance and stress, and also succeeded at cutting off its main engines and separating its first stage as intended. The launch did not reach orbit, which is an extremely rare thing to happen on a new space launch platform's first ever flight anyway. Relativity said during the launch that they encountered an anomaly with the second stage engines after main engine cutoff and stage separation that meant Terran-1 didn't continue on its intended path to low Earth orbit. This test launch did not include a payload or fairing, but instead carried a demonstration weight in the form of an early 3D printed part from the company's rocket development process. Relativity Space's first launch should definitely be counted as a success, with the company proving that it's 3D-printed rocket body can withstand the extreme forces at play during that crucial Max-Q period. Basically, Max-Q is the part of any launch when everyone in mission control holds their breath because it's the point at which the odds are most stacked against the rocket surviving the various arrayed forces of physics. Tim Ellis and Jordan Noon founded Relativity Space in 2015, and the company has been iterating and scaling its 3D printing tech ever since, expanding to larger and larger manufacturing facilities. The company announced a 1 million square foot rocket factory in 2021, where it intended to build its larger capacity Terran R rocket, the bigger sibling to the small payload Terran 1 that launched on Tuesday, end quote. Nothing for you today, but since I discussed Hamilton yesterday, here are the lyrics from that show that I chant every time I pwn my college friends when we're playing Fortnite or Mario Kart online, usually when I break a streak of theirs or something. Never going to be president now, never going to be president now. That's one less thing to worry about. Talk to you tomorrow.